Welcome everyone to Dragon Quest FM, where we talk about and obsess over Dragon Quest. I'm Austin. I'm BJ. And this week, we are talking about Dragon Quest Monsters, The Dark Prince, again. Before we get too far into that, definitely want to put a spoiler warning up in today's episode, because we're getting about towards the end here of the main story, and so we're going to be talking about some different things so if you haven't gotten through the upper echelons yet, then uh, right. you know probably don't listen to this episode yet and come back some other time. But um, for you, I haven't been meaning to ask this. Did you beat it? Because you were really close the other day. No, I haven't beat it. I okay. ended up um, I ended up doing a lot of synthesis. I haven't played it actually since I sent you when I got my A rank uh, Dread Dragon and Dragon Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, I charged it, and then we've been—we actually have been watching Jury Duty and uh, the uh, commentary tracks on it. Which, if you haven't seen, it is fantastic. Is that the one where everybody are like actors except for the one guy? Except for one guy, yeah, it's brilliant. It is hilarious. Jennifer yeah. and I just cackled at it. Uh, really, we watched it. We started it a couple years ago, um, whenever or whenever last year, whenever it first yeah. came out, and just couldn't get into it. Really? Yeah. I don't understand. It was it's one that we like sat through and like binged all of it and then went through the commentary tracks with everything. Like I just love the concept of it. I don't think I like prank shows though. Like I don't like those hidden camera kind of prank. It's not a prank show. That's the thing. It's really sincere. By the time you get to the end of it, like it's really really sincere through all of it. Like they're not pranking him. But I mean, they are pranking him because they're actors and he doesn't know it's all fake. So, I mean, by definition, they're But it's not him. like it's not like punked or anything. It, it's not like where it's mean-spirited and everything. It's like But it's still a prank. It's, I mean, I, I I prank you all the time and it's not mean-spirited, but it's still a prank. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, you're have getting you, tricked. Have you met you it is mean-spirited. It is I mean, not they're tricking him, but it's it's so good. Like, I, I can't recommend that enough to, like, get through it. Like, I don't know. I usually don't like uh, like watching, like, Punked or Candid Camera or anything like that. But this one, this one I like. This one, they're trying to be friends and get him to do the right thing. And uh, it's it's really cool. So, anyway, how far did you get in Dragon Quest Monsters Dark Prince then? Okay, so, <laughs> so I got to the bad ending and uh-huh. then had to, it restarted. Did you do the bad ending? Did you get... Uh, Get it where uh, Toilin had to reset time? No, it does that automatically, no matter what. No matter which one you choose? I actually chose the correct option the first time, and I was like, well, that's weird. Oh. Um, because it's a really clever way. So, uh, again, spoilers. So, what he's talking about here, for people who don't care about spoilers and just want to listen anyway, is right before you unlock the upper echelons and all of that kind of stuff, you actually get to... There's a story beat where it runs through the the ending of dragon quest 4 so like sorrow turns into you know final boss sorrow it goes through the forms you get to see all the chosen fighting him and all that stuff and he's defeated and it plays the sad music and you're going Mm -hmm. all through the end of the original uh dragon quest 4 and so you're kind of like what and then mm-hmm. to- Toilin resets it, and so and that's when you go through the third act of Dragon Quest Monsters: The Dark Prince, and it's kind of like alternate reality DQ4 post game kind of weird yeah. thing. But 
it's okay. What did you think of that though? Cause I have some stuff to say about that. What did you think of it? I didn't like it. I didn't like it one bit. I didn't like how they did it. I didn't like, like we were talking about just a second ago. I didn't like being tricked. I wanted my choice to, to matter. And I, I generally don't like that. Oh, it was all a dream kind of thing. And that's what this felt like. This felt like, Oh, it's all a dream. And I really disliked it. And I thought it was a cop out. I thought that it felt bad. And uh, I would have actually preferred if it had ended the game there and then gave me the opportunity to go back to a previous save right before instead of working it into the story. I did not like it. I mean, I didn't dislike it as much as you did, but it was kind of one of those things where I liked as it was happening. And then whenever it went back and you and there was kind of like resetting time and all that, um, I think for me, it felt like it softened sorrow a little bit too much. Where I was like, right. oh, but then also I got to thinking about it and I'm like, well, I guess this is kind of a, again, I don't think, I don't consider this like canon or anything to DQ4. Right. But I think it's a way to kind of explain Dragon Quest IV's post game a little bit where like, where Sorrow can become playable and he's not the true final boss and all of that kind of stuff where I feel like, I I think that's kind of what they were going for. That's the vibe that I got was that this was kind of like a way to be like, see, this is why Sorrow is redeemed. And he, you know, he's playable in in the post game of DQ four and like all of this stuff where um, I felt like that's what they were going for. And so I didn't mind it as much because I was just kind of like, okay. And then just kind of, went along with the story, but it's kind of the same way I felt about, honestly, the one that bothered me more than that one is whenever you are back at, whenever the Chosen's village is being attacked, which is at the beginning of, of DQ4, yeah. you know, when the monsters are killing uh-huh. like your friend and doing all that and it's Sorrow the Manslayer. Uh-huh. They retconned it and they made it his evil brother was really the one doing that, but was yeah. proclaiming himself Sorrow. That one bugged me because I was like, I was like, just because Sorrow, like, you want him to be a good guy and, like, that kind of redemption arc and everything, I was like, he can still, right. like, he can still mass murder a village and, st- and then still, like, <laughs> like, and then still feel bad about right. it later on. Like, like, I'm okay with that kind of character development. And I guess maybe it didn't fit in a narrative that was kind of designed in a more family-friendly way, but... But that's the one that got me where I was, I felt like that softened him a little bit too much where I was like, oh, why? like that's yeah. kind of lame that his brother is like, I'm sorry with the manslayer while he's doing yeah. it and everything. And I was just kind of, yeah, but, but also, I mean, I really, I don't consider this canon at all. I think it's just kind of like a fun, um, I think I put it in my review even where I just looked at this as like really well done fan fiction, like DQ four fan fiction. Uh, like that's what this was right. to me. It was just really fun Dragon Quest four fan fiction. And I don't care if it's canon or not or whatever. Like I view it completely like outside of that. And it's just like, it's like when you read like an old, like um, extended universe legends, I think like star Wars novel, you know, it's yeah. like, it's like I can still go back and read Shadows of the Empire and really, really love it. Like, it's my favorite Star Wars novel, even though it's not right. technically canon anymore. Like, it's still fine. And that's kind of how I look at the dark prep. Like, yeah, I, I can, I can understand it. that. I get that completely. It's, uh, I do. I understand. Like, I was looking for it. I was wanting this to be canon. And so I wanted it to be the kind of thing that explained so much of the backstory of 4 
and it does, but at the same time, it it twists it just enough that it doesn't feel right. Like you said, with his brother doing the uh, the killing at the beginning, that sort of thing. The the uh, Toilin, who I absolutely despise, uh, turning turning time back. It's uh, it's just there are small things that irritate me throughout it. Yeah. In terms of the story, in terms of the the narrative, in terms of gameplay and everything like that, I absolutely love it, and I love all of the individual. Uh, I love all of the individual. Um, whatever the the like world zone stories, the echelon stories that are going through all three tiers. Like I really really like that. Yeah, I. Yeah, and I, it really didn't bother me too bad whenever it does reset. I was kind of like, oh, did I choose the wrong option and all that? Because I'd actually, you can disable autosave if you want to, and I had disabled autosave yeah. in, in DQ Monsters. Oh, man, I would never. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I can't. Why? I would I would absolutely uh, lose progress on doing it, like the way that I have to start and stop. Oh, see, I do it because of synthesis, because just in case I get some kind of monster I don't want or I did something wrong, then it's really easy to go back when it doesn't autosave every single time after you synthesize. Uh, see, I haven't I haven't even wanted to go back. I haven't been paying attention to like stats or uh, what's going through it for the most part because it's low-level stuff. I may when I'm higher looking at stuff. The actual... What actually made me... Uh, turn off autosave is you know in dungeons how once you get to the end you activate the portal and you can go back to the beginning yeah well i wasn't sure if i used that and then went back to like rose hill to like auto heal everybody then mm-hmm. if i went back there again if it, there would be a portal at the beginning that would take me back to the front unless i'd beaten the dungeon already and it autosaves right. it autosaves if you do all that and i was like i don't want to go through this whole dungeon again if it really doesn't if the portal doesn't stay there at the beginning, I disabled autosave to see if that would work or not. Because some games, you mm. know, if you don't activate it, like, like if you, it puts you back at the beginning, but then you just have to walk through the whole dungeon again. Like a lot of RPGs are like that. So I was like, how forgiving is this game? And I had to see it for myself, right. but I didn't want to have to run through the dungeon again. So I disabled autosave and then went to the beginning and then went to Rose Hill and like healed my people up and then went back to the dungeon and walked back through. And the portal was still there. So if anybody's wondering, the portal is still there. And then I just went. Yeah. Back. But it makes it really easy for all those boss fights that come up at the dungeons in. Yeah, it does. Up until that point, I had just been like making sure I was stocked up on items and like mm-hmm. getting to it because sometimes I'd be out of MP. And so I'd, I would uh, restore everybody's MP before taking down the boss there. But yep. then I figured out that I didn't have to do that. The, the game was even easier than I thought, so I would just do that instead. I actually haven't done that because I apparently have had relatively overleveled characters throughout and uh, haven't really run into any kind of issue with the bosses uh, beating me. It's always been the large uh, monsters outside in the world that get me. Get me good. They, they, they kill me good. Oh, really? Those... The actual only time I ever died in the entire main story before the credits roll there, the only time I ever died was actually uh, the boss at the end of Dragon Spate, um, which I think is an upper upper echelon, right? Yeah, it's upper echelon. Yeah, Yeah. it's the upper echelon of uh, Temper. Um, Because you get up there and you have the fight with the... 
what's it called? Like the brimstone, Blaze? the brimstone boys, the brimstone brothers. Yeah. yeah brimstone boys. Yeah. Yeah. You, you fight all them and then the big bird comes through. I can't remember his name. He looks like an Elysian bird, but whatever his name is. The, yeah, the, he's the Phoenix, but I can't remember like the Ifrian Eagle or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. And anyway, the party that I had at the time was pretty weak to some of his attacks and so I just, I kept getting, I died, I died once and then I was like, well, that sucks and is also unexpected because I'd had like no trouble whatsoever. Yeah. Like the actual just like mobs and random encounters in the overworld and throughout the dungeon even, like I was just right one hit, two hit killing like instantly, like all the time. Uh, okay. So it was very unexpected. And then I went in again a second time, made sure I was manually like casting buff here. And that's when I started using, uh-huh. throwing out like items at the beginning of each turn to heal people so that my, my healer could use moves instead of healing and stuff like that. And also I think I was just kind of burned out on Dragon's Fate by that point, if I'm being totally honest, because that's my- I one. liked Dragon's Fate, but I, I did not have the trouble you did. I hated Dragon's Fate It seems Fate like you had a so lot of much. trouble getting it and I got through it like, one try basically going up i uh, had to like i saw where i was going because you had to y'all who haven't seen it you have to rotate platforms uh, a column in the middle of the dungeon to be able to ascend up to the very top and there are switches on every level that make different tiers of this rotate and so you have to basically design your own path and it's a puzzle through the entire dungeon and it can require a lot of backtracking if you miss even one on uh, on going up uh, the and rotating them as you go up. Yeah. I was stuck there for a really, really long time. You got lucky. I did. I looked at, after you had told me that you didn't have problems with it, I was like, I cannot be the only one. And like a few people on Twitter had told me that they had trouble with this one as well. I think Summerwind might have been the person who told me mm. maybe Lyafisa, maybe both of them anyway multiple people told me that they had trouble with dragon spate as well so i was like it's not only me and then i googled it after you told me that the other day and like one of the one of the top things if you just google like dragon spate dq monsters is a reddit post <laughs> right. that's whoever designed the dragon spate spire is not a nice person so <laughs> uh, that's great so it was not so it's not just me that really hates this part it's of the game. It's not just you. I mean it was it's annoying because you really have to look you have to pull up the map quite a bit and go to the levels that you haven't seen yet and that you maybe haven't reached. Yeah. And it's it's going from floor four to five that's the tricky part. I did not like that part at all. I'll be completely honest. If there had been a YouTube video or a guide on that, I think I would have instantly gone and Googled it instead of just sitting there and persevering like I did. It was just, it was a really terrible time, and I, I did not like Dragon Spate. And then, so by the time I got to the top, and this was before I knew for sure that the portals would let me go back to the top. So by the time I was like mm. up to the top, getting ready to fight the bosses, I was just like, ugh, this is like, I'm done. But I went ahead and like restored the MP, threw a couple of like medicinal herbs on characters that needed it, and was like, whatever, I'll go in. And... And that was a little bit of the problem, too, is that I kind of had a weakened party when I went into those boss fights. And then they were weak to fire. Several of them were weak until fire. But but yeah, I agree with you. Overall, I don't think the game is too hard. Like I'm I'm convinced you can really if you just find a solid a solid team and like varied team in that, like, don't just have like four slimes that are all weak to the same thing in your party. 
But like if you have a little yeah. varied team, even of all like F monsters, I think you can probably get through it because you just, I mean, by the time you get to the end, those F monsters are probably level 70 or higher. Um, yeah. And so like maybe they won't have the best moves, but I also think some of their stats will be would be good. So I'd be, I'd be interested to see somebody uh, go through the game, uh, the main story without like synthesizing monsters and just seeing if it could be done because i think i think you can i'm pretty sure you could and with even if you have a hard time going through with no synthesis i think that you would uh be able to do it really easily with just a very little synthesis too you get some of the more powerful aoe attacks like uh some of the, like dark breath and blessed breath and then uh uh have a couple with kazamel and you'll just, just, at least where I am at this point, like you'll just destroy things. Like uh, I have to be really careful on uh, when I'm trying to scout something, not to accidentally just hit fight because everything just gets destroyed in one turn. Uh, and I'm only at like level 40. That's what I had going on with uh, for me too. I can't remember exactly where I was in there, but I know, I know generally somewhere around the midpoint of the game, like my characters would just always be between level like 40 and 50 because then I would end up yeah. synthesizing them and then getting them they would get mm-hmm. back up to like 40 or 50 really quickly like no spoilers for you or we can talk about this at a later date but like even the even the final boss stuff and, and like the final dungeon um I thought was way easier than Dragon's Bait even then I mean I think I, when I beat the game at that point I think maybe I had some monsters that were like level 50 um, but most of them were like between oh, yeah. 45 and 50 where all my monsters were because, but I mean, they were like, I think they were all a rank, um, at that point, maybe a B rank monster, but it wasn't like, so they were really good monsters, but still I hadn't like leveled them up beyond that 50 threshold. Like I stayed between 40 and 50 for pretty much the entire game. I feel like. Yeah, that's pretty much me. Like once I get up to, to there, I'm just synthesizing them into something else. Uh, because I've generally passed where they have all of their skills maxed out. And so once they just are collecting points, I'm like, I'll just synthesize you into something else and uh, up the rank of whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so since we've uh, since we've already talked about it earlier in the episode, we, we got sidetracked by Dragon's Bait here. But I did want to go back and talk about, you were talking about the like going through the DQ4 ending and everything. Yeah, I do think it's interesting because with the canon fan fiction, whatever conversation you want to have, <laughs> is because even yeah. like even if even if you kind of look at it as a way to help explain a little bit of like the post game and stuff, like it doesn't really line right. up with the post game of Dragon Quest Four the way that the rest of the game lines up with DQ Four kind of. I mean, it retcon stuff like we've talked about, but. Yeah. I never really liked Toil and Trouble. Like, he was a character that always felt no. tacked on. Hate him. I see some people talking about him, and, like, I don't think... I mean, honestly, I know some people like him, some people like Rose. Like, for me, it was like, I didn't care anything about the characters. Like, I thought the story was solid, and I really liked the DQ4 connections. Right. And love the gameplay and all of that, but just the... In terms of having, like, Toil and Trouble and Rose along with you, like... You could have cut them out, and I think I would have liked it even more. <laughs> I do. I do, too. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Rose. She's She's got, uh, I don't know, it's not her voice like it was for you initially, but there's just something about it. It's like, 
yeah, I can see that there. At one point, you're in. I think it's the maybe it's the upper or middle echelon of Caprice. It's the one with the uh, desert where you meet Pierre the Golem, and that's the middle. There's this storm outside. Like you, you sit standing. You you set foot outside of the tower, and there's this massive sandstorm. And so you're like, well, we can't really travel in this. We're gonna have to wait this out. And Rose points off in the distance and is like there's there's a shelter we can make it over there and and take cover and so i was like yeah sure you're literally two feet from the door of the tower (laughs) if you're like i'm like go back inside i'm like rose that made rose so unlikable for me and i i know it's stupid but I'm like, well, that's not her really fault. That dumb. That's not her fault. That's, that's dumb. Just, that's just bad writing. That's just some. It's bad writing on it. No, I know, but like that kind of thing. She's always the one who is like pointing out the very obvious things that you have to do. She's Legolas in the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah, she is. She's like, there are orcs, and I'm like, cool. Thanks, Rose. I didn't see the giant army of orcs that was over there. There are orcs and, to the uh, west. Like, yeah, like Orlando Bloom in the Lord of the Rings movies is always just kind of doing that. His Legolas. Like, I love those movies. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I felt like Legolas. The extended versions are better. But, anyway, that's a different conversation. He gets more to do. Oh, yeah. But, but in the, like, theatrical man, releases, in, Legolas is just, like, there to, like, point out things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he 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 lets everyone know where everything is at all time. Yeah, because Elfie. Like, but yeah, I don't like Toyland. Like I didn't like Toyland from the moment that they introduced him. I would have been much happier if Toyland had been an enemy that you get to gut and uh, <laughs> your brother Ludo. That your brother Ludo goes along with you and you do that because he was honestly far more interesting. I think than. Uh, Ludo's cool. Yeah. Far more interesting than uh, than Toylan ever was. He's like, "Hey, I steal things," and I'm like, "Yeah, you're a jerk too. You say stupid stuff." I don't know. I don't like him. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't just hate him, um, but it was one of those things where like he didn't really add any extra elements to me, and I thought it was weird too because I'm making sure I'm not spoiling anything for you. Because okay, yeah, it is at this point. So like, okay, he. So he uses the sands of time or whatever to reset things. And so you make the choice all over again. For me, I just made the same choice a second time because I'd made the correct choice the first time already. So I just made the right choice again. So at that point is whenever it kind of doesn't follow along with the story because at that point the explanation is that like, okay, so Rose didn't die. So Sorrow doesn't decide to become evil and do all this stuff. Whereas in it's been it's been a while since I played through DQ4 and did the post game, but if I'm not mistaken, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but you go in the post game and you're the one that actually revives Rose. You have the the Yggdrasil, the flower mm. of Yggdrasil, and yeah. you go and revive her in her grave, and then you bring her along, and then you she's like when she's alive and she's like sorrow stop and he's like girlfriend no longer dead sorrow no longer mad sorrow join you now and because <laughs> apparently sorrow talks like a caveman in my brain and so then sorrow uh joins your party and i think that's how it works in the post game i i could be glossing over some finer finer details but then you go through all that and then that's when you go and meet up and with like amon and everything at the very end 
right? That's, I mean, I know I'm paraphrasing, but uh, I think, but I think all that's pretty. I don't accurate. remember. I think all that's pretty. I think so. And then I don't know. Okay, I don't want to spoil it since we only said upper echelons. So tell me what is going on with with Amon where you're at. He is just kind of the ethereal boss right now. He hasn't, uh, I haven't really done anything with him. I haven't really interacted with him much other than he's, uh, he comes in occasion and goes, <laughs> basically like, ha ha, I'm evil. And uh, like, you'll never beat your dad and goes away. Okay, cool. Like so that's all right. So we'll talk about that, the Amon stuff at a later date, but, but yeah, there's more about that too, where I'm like, where it all doesn't right. really, where it all doesn't really line up for like the third act of the third act of DQ monsters of the dark prince. Even if you're trying to look at it as Canon, like for, in my mind, you have to have the third act. There's just a completely separate timeline um, because of how mm-hmm. different it all is. Yeah. Well, so you did dragon spate. You've seen that you've seen all that stuff. So you're on, are you in the circle of indulgence now? The upper echelon of yes. indulgence. Okay. That's a fun one. Yep. I've, I like it a lot. I got to the dungeon in it. I uh, and then I didn't want to do another dungeon after working through the world because it's kind of a maze as well. Uh-huh. And uh, went and synthesized some stuff, uh, collected some monsters, and uh, then uh, I went to charge the switch light and haven't haven't done it yet. So so I'm still at the very beginning of the indulgence uh, dungeon with all the imps and uh, things like that. That one's really fun. Um, that one has a puzzle, too, that didn't stump right. me the way that Dragon's Fate did, but it did stump me in the way that I had to really, like, take a moment and, like, look at the bigger picture in the room and, and look at ma- and look at the maps that I could see um, right. going through the floors and all. Like, it's got a pretty interesting puzzle where it, it tripped me up a little bit, but then the rest of the upper echelon ones I got through fairly okay. Um, we can talk about those next time, but... The one that really has stumped me the most, I know you, obviously it's Dragon Spate, but uh, since I lucked out through that one, the one that has tricked me the most was the one in Pierre's, uh, the Golem World, the middle of uh, Caprice, where you had the basement and the shifting the sands. Floor. That's the one the I was telling sands. you about. I hated it. Yeah, th- that's the one that I was telling it. you about like a few weeks ago. That- Is that the one that you were talking about? Yeah. For some yeah. reason, I was thinking you were talking about uh, Fortitude. And, uh, but yeah, it's awful. Shifting, shifting like, Sands. That was the one who gave me the most trouble. Yeah, that one. Shifting Sands gave me the second most trouble um, because I kept missing that one pillar right. to take you into the final area. Uh-huh. Yep. It, I backtracked and ran around through that whole area for a long time. So did you just stumble upon it or did you like Google it or how'd you finally find your way? Uh, I stumbled on it because I started like really inspecting the maps. Like I was doing the, uh, like staying at the, the up and down the, the transition staircases and like mapping it out, opening it up and being like, okay, this is going to go here. This is going to go here. And then I finally realized that there was just this tiny thing that let me get, uh, get through it to the final part, but I was so frustrated. I was like, I'm so tired of this place. I just want to leave. And finally I was able to. Like Shifting Sands, don't get me wrong. I had a lot of trouble with it and it's probably my second least favorite dungeon, but at least it's short. Like it's only a couple of levels compared right. to what you see start seeing in the upper echelons. Like it's to me that one wasn't as bad in comparison once you get through the stuff, but 
It's weird because I think the dungeon you'll do after this one felt unusually easy to me compared to the rest of the upper echelon dungeon. So I'll be interested to see what you think about the next few that you do and how they stack up. Because, um, again, just from talking with people online, I know some people uh, have had trouble with some of the other ones that you haven't yet faced. So, um, so yeah, I'll see. Uh, Are you... I know you're about to be leaving on a trip for a couple of weeks. Are you taking your switch with you for like the plane ride and stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to be bringing the switch so that I can uh, be playing it and synthesizing and doing all sorts of stuff on, uh, on the plane. Uh, I'm really happy. I bought this one physically as well so that uh, I can uh, actually play it on the switch light because digital downloads, uh, because it's my secondary switch. Uh, it's, it has to validate it with an internet connection, which is the worst thing in the world. Um, I I hate digital games. So uh, I hate digital games for that specifically, like not giving me access when I've already downloaded it. Like I'll buy cheap video games and I'll buy uh, digital games occasionally if I really, really, really want them. Um, But uh, I learned on the Switch that uh, if I'm ever planning on being somewhere without an internet connection, even if it's already downloaded on my Switch to that user, it has to validate uh, and verify whether I have permission to about every day whenever I log on, maybe every few hours or something. I can't, I haven't looked to see exactly how often it does that, but it's enough. I wasn't able to play stuff on the plane and I've been actually bringing my 3ds to play, uh, play things with, uh, because I got mad at the switch yeah. <laughs> the last time I flew. <laughs> I brought a- what were you flying? I thought all, I thought I honestly thought all airlines had Wi-Fi now. They do, but it's a pain to get the, uh, switch hooked up to the air to the uh, internet because it doesn't go through the browser and you have to go through and agree to all their terms on the browser. I actually don't know if you can hook it up to the uh, internet on a plane since it opens up the like you agree to the terms and conditions and you have to click all the buttons. I don't think the switch opens up anything like that. Hmm. I don't think you're able to. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I can't remember. We flew just like two months ago. I'm trying to think if we had any of the switches connected, but maybe not. So yeah, you will definitely beat it then because... Oh yeah, I, I fully intend to. I think you're probably in just the last like couple of hours, I would say. Like, I mean, I guess... Oh, it, hours, wow. It, it all depends on how much you really explore and how much the dungeons trip you up, but I don't yeah. know. Maybe maybe not. Maybe, let's say four hours, but either way, you're here at the very end. Like, there's not a whole mm. lot. There's not a whole lot left. Just a few dungeons and some bosses and wham, bam, you're done. Ma'am. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. That's that's a good that's good. So we are we will be back, we promise, with season six. Woo, season ah, six. Um man. soon. Uh as usual at the first of the year we are taking a couple weeks off, so uh, but we will see you all very, very soon. BJ's literally taking off. He's gone. Yeah, I'm gone. We're we're leaving my wife and I are leaving on a jet plane. So give everybody your address so anybody who wants to can come and rob you yep. while you're gone. <laughs> yeah, we, no, we, we actually have a house sitter, so we have uh, somebody who's going to be here. Because of the pets. So we're, yeah. we're going long enough, yeah. yeah. And we didn't feel comfortable leaving them like alone, alone with just somebody coming in. Uh, we we didn't want that. So with somebody coming in periodically, we wanted somebody with them most of the time. Yeah, that makes sense. Because they're used to us being here because we both work from home. Yeah, we always get a house sitter. Um, even when we're just gone a couple of days because of the pets and stuff. Yeah. But either way, uh, thank you guys for a fantastic season five and for listening to us all this past year. 
and um, we'll be back with season six, more Dragon Quest monsters, uh, all sorts of fun stuff really soon. If you want to talk to us in the meantime online, remember we're on Twitter at Dragon Quest FM. You can also talk to us and help support this podcast over at patreon.com slash FM. And if you even want to email us and tell us about stuff, you can do that at social at dragonquest.fm. And if you want to talk to me personally, I'm on Twitter and blue sky at dragonquestin. And I'm on Twitter and threads at Professor Beach. Uh, I guess Instagram too at that point. And uh, remember, we have a Patreon that if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash dragonquestfm. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye, y'all.